right, look, you can already tell something's up, right? I mean, he's wearing a collared shirt. Collared shirt? Something's going on. I got a, I got a lunch thing coming up in Burlingame a little bit later on today. So when I wrap up here, I'm going to go down and do that. It's plus-related. Things are growing. Not ready to put it on the menu right now, but when it's ready to go on the menu, you will be the first to know. Welcome back to all of you. It's great to see you again. Damon Bruce with you here on Damon Bruce Plus, and we have ourselves what is, let's be totally honest, the slowest sports day of the summer. Wednesday and Thursday during the All-Star Week are the two slowest sports days of the entire summer. It is, what, Thursday, July 13th. And I knew it was going to be a challenging day in terms of coming up with what we're going to be talking about when most of the sports world this morning was interested in what I wear LeBron James wore to the ESPYs last night. And let's be honest, I didn't watch the ESPYs, but I've seen the picture. Those look like goggles. Those look like something you would go in the pool with. But he knows more about fashion choices than I do, so... Way to go on your goggles, LeBron. That's the only thing that I know happened on the ESPYs last night, and I'd like to keep it that way. I hate the ESPYs. Never been an ESPYs guy. Um, they have this uh, uh, other award ceremonies to determine who the best teams are in sports. They're called trophy presentations. That's where I go for my trophies and my awards in sports. I don't care about the Oscars of sports. Never have. And if it doesn't really float with me, someone who's obsessed with sports, who does it really appeal to? I, I don't know that. I've, I've never met anyone who's honestly like, yeah, man, love the ESPYs. Can't get enough. So it is the slowest summer 48 hours of sports. And there's all sorts of things that people are kind of doing, like looking back, looking forward. And we'll do a little of that with you right here, right now. But one of the great things about the Internet, one of the great things about being over here, winning with the new media on YouTube, is that nobody wastes anybody's time. You don't waste your time watching a single thing that you don't want to look at. I'm not going to waste your time by pretending there's something to look at when there's really nothing even there. In radio, you got guys trying to fill four hours of show times today because, what, they have four hours to fill. Not because there's four hours of content or four hours of interesting to really be offered. Again, if you need to be so creative that you're just making stuff up to talk about, how valuable is any of that stuff. Uh, to me, it's not that valuable. So I'm thrilled to be over here. I see that uh, KNBR is just getting embarrassed by my former station in yet another ratings book. So congrats uh, to, to the winners. Shame on you losers. And all I can tell you is that uh, the man who killed KNBR could absolutely bring it back and make it rise like a phoenix. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. But I'm glad I don't have to do it today because I'm glad I don't have to pretend I got four hours worth of crap to talk about because there isn't. There just isn't these days. I did see an article, though, in the L.A. Times about all the pitches that teams are going to use to try to lure Shohei Otani to their franchises. I mean, and this thing runs the gamut. It was about tax rates. It went into scenery. It went into real estate opportunities. It went into, you know, food and entertainment options, which might matter to Shohei Otani. Um, I think you got to scratch the surface of just an Asian community to offer the man to step into. And certainly San Francisco has maybe of all the towns in America, the most robust Asian community right here built and baked into its downtown. So 
I mean, you know, when it comes to tax rates, I, I keep on hearing it's the reason why the Giants you know, can't sign anybody. Doesn't stop the Dodgers. Hasn't stopped the Padres. It sounds like an excuse to me that I'm not interested in. Uh, but really what it all comes down to, you can fill as many inches in any column as you want with all the things that might be on Shohei Otani's list of things that he cares about as he considers what his next team's uniform could be. Let's be completely honest. As much as Shohei Otani is wonderful and a unicorn and magical and says all the right things and seems to be lovable and huggable, he is still very much a money-making professional athlete, and that is going to be at the center of his decision going forward. An opportunity to win. Let's never dismiss that, but an opportunity to make the most amount of money in pursuit of winning? That, that talks the loudest in any room, to any player, at any point in time in their career, no matter where they're coming from, no matter where they're going to. An opportunity to win is one thing, most amount of money on the table usually wins more than any of the other things all of the time. And Shohei Otani is all sorts of special, but he's not some sort of alien that thinks differently than us. So the most amount of money is going to be the opportunity that he looks at and gets all doe-eyed about the, the, the most. Let's, let's just stop pretending that there are other things going on here. Of course he wants to be in a better situation. Of course he wants to win. But he wants to win on top of the biggest pile of money ever handed to a Major League Baseball player. And I think both of those things are going to be presented to him. Will the San Francisco Giants be able to make their case? Baseball's second half begins on Friday uh, at the All-Star break. I mean, we got ourselves a really fun first half in our rearview mirror. And look at how tight all these divisions are. There are five divisions where the first place team has a two-team, uh, excuse me, a two-game lead or smaller when you start including ties, and it's the most divisions with that small a lead over second-place teams at the All-Star break since we went to six divisions back in 1994. So this is really a tight group picture of who could consider themselves a contender in the second half, which makes the deadline harder to negotiate, I think, for all involved. Um, the Braves are, are running away with the National League East, and it doesn't look like they're going to be cooling off anytime soon, and it doesn't necessarily look like another team in the National League is going to be running them down anytime soon. The Braves are just loaded. They're very, very good. The Rays got a two-game lead over the Orioles in the American League East. The Guardians got a half-game lead over the Twins in the AL Central. The Rangers have a two-game lead over the Astros in the American League West. The Reds got a one-game lead over the Brewers in the NL Central. I mean, nobody had the Reds sitting on top of the National League Central at the all-star break. No one. And there they are. The Dodgers and Diamondbacks tied atop the National League West. The Giants are just two and a half games out. The Padres will be heard from, I'm guessing, at some point in time in this second half. So uh, a very exciting second half seems to be setting itself up for us. There's no doubt about it. The Giants need to open quickly and be right on the money as soon as they break from the starting gate. With a three-game series at Pittsburgh, starting Friday. By the way, that's on Apple TV. Uh, four games at the Reds, three games at the Nationals, and a game in Detroit that is a season-long 11-game road trip for the Giants to begin their second half. 
that's pretty daunting right off the rip. And it's no easy shakes with that four game series with the Reds baked into this road trip now. So uh, we'll see what that looks like. Obviously the A's, you know, there's no discussion about them that has to do with actual baseball these days. It's all about the team and moving and Fisher and Vegas and everything. And uh, the A's start their second half with the Minnesota twins. By the way, I want to tell you a little something that we have coming up later tonight. If you are an old school Bay Area sports radio fan, have I got a conversation that I know you're going to be interested in offered up tonight to you? The premiere is at six o'clock West Coast time, 9 p.m. East Coast time, a conversation between me and JT the Brick, our careers Our lives have been so intertwined, it's not even funny. And the fact that now I continue to be based out of San Francisco, and he has been in Vegas for decades now, the fact that San Francisco, Oakland, and the Bay are now completely linked to Las Vegas through all of the team movement that has already happened and what could happen, it's amazing the just way our lives and careers are tied together with similar likes and similar hates. And Jimmy Garoppolo used to be the Bays. Now it's Vegas's. The Raiders used to be the Bays. Now they're Vegas's. JT the Brick used to be the Bays. Now he's Vegas's. The A's, we all know. Like it, There's so many things that tie these two cities together. Joe Fortenbaugh used to be uh, ours, and now he's Las Vegas's. <laughs> so uh, a great conversation with JT. The premiere is at 6 o'clock tonight. Gather in mass to watch that bad boy. If you don't mind, hit that like button. I feel dirty when I ask you to do that. But I gotta, I, I guess I gotta ask you to do that. We will get in to see what you're chatting about here in just a bit when we get into Club Plus today. Um, I want to invite you to go ahead and not just take care of me, your boy, but to order in order to really take care of me, your boy, you are taking care of my boys out there. I want to start by telling you about Ike's, which is an incredible place to go get yourself a sandwich with nearly a hundred locations now throughout the West Coast, mostly on the West Coast, starting to drift into the Midwest, into the East. Uh, My man Ike's has an unbelievable business and an unbelievable sandwich that you are going to absolutely love the minute you take your first bite. I know a lot of you have taken your first bite at Ike's. Go back for a second, a third, a fourth. There's so many different sandwiches to try. It is just outstanding. My man Ike is there to take care of you. Are you feeling a little bit like a burger? Well, then Uncle Boy's place for you to go Balboa and fourth in the inner rich inner rich stand up get yourself an uncle boys the burger is fantastic I like the fries I love the onion rings and let me tell you right now don't you leave without an order of lumpia that's going to make you a very, very happy camper when you take your Uncle Boys and you get home to enjoy it while you are enjoying, let's say, the premiere of Vegas to the Bay with Damon Bruce and JT the Brick tonight on YouTube at 6 o'clock. We've also got to let you know that there is no better nightcap than the ones that are served up from bottles of blackened whiskey by Metallica. Oh, it's just great. I got to thank my father-in-law, Tom, who today sent me a picture. He was at BevMo this morning. He picked up a bottle of blackened, sent me a picture, said supporting the product. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you. 
Uh, your grandsons, thank you. Your daughter, thanks you, Tom. I thank you for your daughter, uh, and thank you for that, uh, that that bottle of Blackened. I know you're going to like it. You and I have basically drank one of those right here in the house. So now you got one in your house, too. Thank you very much, Tom, picking up a bottle of Blackened, and I hope you do the same next time you are at BevMo or wherever you pick up your liquor. And if where you pick up your liquor doesn't have a bottle of Blackened, you should go ahead and ask them to stock that because as a true Plucer diehard, you will be there to uh, support the product that is, and I really do appreciate that. Um, saw a story on CBS Sports by Matt Snyder, who was hearkening back to all the complaining that was done by baseball fans, critics, detractors, supporters alike. Everyone talked about how, well, here comes baseball. Uh, screwing around with pitch clocks. And one of the beautiful things about this game is that it's never had a clock attached to it. Baseball moves at the soothing pace of a grandfather clock's pendulum just swinging back and forth. We're not in a hurry here. There is no time stamped on this game, and there was a beauty to it. And there really was a beauty to it until players started abusing that beauty. And they did. Baseball players, as far as group of athletes go, are some real premier fart sniffers who believe that their process is what they need to go through for anything to happen, to play today, to get up for this pinch hit, to get into the batter's box four different times, to go toe the rubber, all these little machinations that all these players have to go through. And everyone wanted to give them all the room in the world to do it. And, you know, you give an inch, they take a mile. And that's why games slowed down to snail's pace. It really did. And really, the pitch clock, if you think about it, as Matt, uh, Matt Snyder points out in his CBS Sports column, as, as, more, uh, as more than one player has pointed out in the last several months, the pace of play is not rushed by this pitch clock. It's just prevented from becoming snail's pace. And I think that that's a great way to look at it because I'm watching these games and they don't feel abnormally rushed. At no point in time did I think with the pitch clock winding down, geez, this pitcher is really at a disadvantage. They don't have the time that is required to gather themselves in between pitches and face this, you know, next this next at bat with the best possible stuff because they're being rushed into it. Never once have I felt that way. And I do think that that's the right way to say it. It really hasn't sped up the pace as much. It has just eliminated the prospect of this game moving along at a snail's pace. And the numbers are in. And I think that the number that baseball needs to be the most concerned with isn't any run of game time, but attendance itself. And you know what? Year over year, attendance is up over 8% around Major League Baseball. Attendance is up over 8%. There have been four straight weekends of over 1.5 million in attendance, and that's the first time that's happened around Major League Baseball since 2017. So we're going back to pre-pandemic, like another world ago, to find four weekends in a row of attendance being over one and a half million around all of major league baseball. MLB.tv is up 9% on minutes watched uh, over last season. The local ratings for 29 U S based teams are up 3%. And that is 
in spite of all of the local issues that local carriers have gone through, Bally's especially filing for bankruptcy, it kind of gutted pre- and post-game shows, and it really hasn't mattered. People are watching more baseball now than just last year, and it's provable. It's measurable. A survey of 86% of people in the survey between the ages of 18 and 24 and 25 and 34 age brackets said that they are more likely to watch baseball now due to rule changes with similar numbers uh, on them actually being more likely to attend a game. So these rules were definitely put in place to appeal to Generation TikTok and a shorter attention span. I don't consider myself part of Generation TikTok. I'm not. But they didn't make the rules for me, but I like them. I like them. I really do. It's working. How often do you get to say things? Baseball has you know, applied some new initiatives that we have to admit are really working. And they're working well. So... How often do you get to say, nice job, baseball? Now, we're not saying nice job, Rod Manfred, because that guy still sucks. We all know that. And we'll get to the topic of expansion and how much that should just be bothering, really seriously bothering A's fans these days. But all of this baseball success, ratings, attendance, revenue, attention, it all equals business and money that the sport does. And business and money around the sport of baseball are booming. You know, ratings are up. Obviously, that's not helping KNBR these days, but ratings are up. Um, you want to talk about money in sports, though. We're about to get a huge story served up to us in the next two, three weeks max here in the Bay Area because Nick Bosa is about to get paid through the nose to continue to play for the San Francisco 49ers. Training camp begins at the end of the month, uh, late late January. Um, or excuse me, this is this is July, not January, late July, early August. Um, and if I'm Nick Bosa's agent, it's just real simple. Hey, 49ers, we're really happy to be here. And I know that you're really happy for us to be here. And this is a wonderful fit together better than anyone predicted Nick Bosa 49er combination. There's no doubt about it. Everybody here is happy, but you can forget about him stepping on a practice field. Nick Bosa is not even stepping on premises until he's got an extension. Like, if I were his agent, that's the way I'd be playing this. Look, everything's hunky-dory. So hunky-dory that this has got to be one of the easier contracts that you've ever handed out. And I've heard and I've read, you know, maybe this isn't an easy as contract because you want to pay Nick Bosa the highest paid, you know, a defensive player in football. But last year that was Aaron Donald and that kind of blew up on the Rams and Aaron Donald got hurt. And what that good did that do paying him and this, that, the, all the thing. And they're like, look, Nick Bosa is a lot of things, but he's not as good as Aaron Donald. And even a 49er fan would have to admit that. So is he really worth more? money and blah, 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 blah. Yes. Yes. That's yes. Nick Bosa is about to be the highest paid defensive player in the history of the NFL, either with total contract guaranteed money or annual average value of salary. That's the way it works. 
timing is a huge part of any and all negotiations. And when you're coming off a defensive player of the year with 0% body fat attached to you, you get paid more than everyone. That's how it works. So what's the number going to be? It's going to be north of $31.7 million a year. I can tell you that because that's what Aaron Donald made last season. And again, he played 11 games and had a career-low five sacks. Now, Aaron Donald's one of the greatest defensive players in the history of football. I don't know if Bosa is ready to be in that conversation yet, but he's certainly tracking towards it, right? I mean, the guy looks unbelievable every single time you see him. He's a game-changing defensive player, as was T.J. Watt, who back in 2022 in the 10 games that he played with the Steelers, they went 8-2. and two. In the seven games he missed, he went 1-6. and six. You know, I feel like Nick Bosa would kind of represent that level of importance to the Niners. T.J. Watt's making $28 million. Joey Bosa, Nick's brother, is making $27. And he's an excellent player. But his brother's better. 32, 34, 35 million a year for Nick Bosa. I think it's going to happen, and I think it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I really do. I think it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, as I was giving baseball compliments for getting things right in terms of some of the changes that they've made to the flow of the game. Ah, ooh, sip of the day candidate. The topic of expansion around Major League Baseball just doubles the insult of the A's moving to Las Vegas, if indeed that does happen. Um, you know, there was an article that said, look at all these markets that could possibly get a major league team, Nashville, Charlotte, Salt Lake City, Montreal, Portland, among the leading candidates. Well, look, the only reason why Las Vegas isn't on that list is because the A's are cutting the line of what would have been clearly the number one place to put an expansion team in major league baseball. It's just, the whole thing is just sickening. It really is. I mean, we've covered this ground over and over and over again. Uh, the website, The Field of Schemes, I saw an article there just about how, you know, you can hear Rob Manfred talking about how the A's have officially begun relocation uh, applications and all this stuff, and the process has officially begun. Look, the process of the A's relocating has officially begun no fewer than eight to ten times. This thing officially begins and nothing officially happens all the time. And I still, even though so many indications are pointing in the direction of this time it's for real, this time it's about to happen, I don't know if I believe that. And I just want to take right out of the Field of Schemes article about this that writes, uh, the laundry list of hurdles that Fisher still needs to clear before he can move a team to Vegas include convincing three quarters of other major league owners that swapping Oakland for Vegas is a good deal for the league 
and then coming up with around $1.1 billion in their own funding to go along with the $600 million that Vegas is going to give them in tax kickbacks. And then they have to figure out the logistics of building what field of schemes called the Enormo Dome on a tiny nine-acre site. And they need to evade the public referendum that Nevada Teachers Union is preparing, apparently, to throw at the A's themselves. If any of those steps go awry, it's certainly possible to imagine John Fisher reapproaching Oakland. I mean, after all, this is a guy who has announced a binding agreement on one Las Vegas site only to switch to another site not even a month later. So anything is possible. And we certainly know that anything is possible when it comes to these guys screwing it up. So, you know, it hasn't even begun, which means it ain't even over. And the story that never ends, which feels like it has begun to officially now end, really still hasn't. And Rob Manfred seems as feckless and clueless as John Fisher and Dave Cavill. So the three of them together could be the triangle of dopes that don't get this done after all. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if other major league owners just said, nah, nah, we see the fertile soil that is Las Vegas and we don't want to give it to farmer John Fisher who ruins every field he touches. It's too important to give to him especially without collecting a relocation fee. Okay, that's the sip of the day. That was that was a good one. So we'll see what the hell happens. Speaking of a, a sport changing the dynamics of its rules that I think we all look back at and say, that was good. Baseball, you done good with your changes. Uh, I think the NBA is about to do something. I know that we talked about this. I even put out a little video on YouTube talking about how they were experimenting in summer league with a new anti-flopping rule. Well, the NBA Board of Governors has approved two new two new game plan changes for the 23-24 season. According to Shams, the in-game penalty for flops resulting in a technical free throw is going to be part of this regular season. That's good. That's good. I like it more than just assessing a player a foul or a common foul. I like the fact that there is a punitive. You see it on the scoreboard. uh, Just element to being caught flopping. Not only will you have the embarrassment of being a called out flopper, but it's a free throw the other way. I like that. And I also like the fact that, and I don't like, Here's the thing. If you're, if you're going to put replay in your game, use it correctly. I'm also comfortable with replay not being a part of the game of basketball, but they want it in there. So, okay, since you want it in there, use it correctly. And one of the w- correct ways to use replay is that when a coach challenges something and it turns out your officials got that wrong and the coach got that right, that shouldn't be his only opportunity to challenge officials. And what do you know? A second coach's challenge will be awarded if the first challenge is successful. You would see coaches look at something that was clearly called incorrectly, and they wouldn't go to their challenge because they didn't want to give away their only chance to challenge something. 
You might need it later in the game. You want to keep that in your back pocket for a higher leveraged moment in this basketball game. So there was always this should I or shouldn't I challenge math going on. You could even see it in Steve Kerr's head throughout the season. Less math to do is the right way to do it. So I like that. I like that. And look, uh, Speaking of the fact that JT and I are doing a From Vegas to the Bay broadcast at 6 o'clock, it's the premiere tonight here on Damon Bruce Plus. The Plus. Um, if you're in Las Vegas, you can make a little wager on this upcoming NBA season's most improved player in the league. And what do you know? Look who's going off with the best odds to win it. Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole right now is your Las Vegas leader for most improved player in the NBA in order to win it. He's getting 7-1 to one odds. Jonathan Kaminga, for those of you who might be interested in it, he's going off at 50-1. to 50-1 for NBA's most improved player. There is someone else who's going off at 50-1 to one that to me should not be eligible for it. Ben Simmons is going off at 50 to 1 to be the NBA's most improved player. To me, he should be ineligible for that. If you are a lottery pick, you shouldn't be eligible for most improved. If you are the number one pick in the draft, you shouldn't be eligible for most improved because basically what you had to do to become eligible for most improved is begin your career with such a disappointing thud that there was nowhere to go but up. Like, uh, that. He, Ben Simmons should not be on this board. Kaminga, 50-1. to one, Jordan Poole, 7-1. to one. That could happen. That could absolutely happen. What could also happen is uh, you sticking around to enjoy a little club plus. It's right around the corner, but I promised you we would never waste your time. We would never pull you into empty minutes of broadcasting just to fill time. We'll be back here tomorrow. I know that you're dedicated and loyal enough to hopefully be back here tomorrow yourself for a final show on a Friday this week. So that is around the corner, as is Club Plus, which means if you're listening on the podcast, there's nothing left to do. But encourage you to keep an eye on my YouTube channel for the premiere of Vegas to the Bay with yours truly and JT the Brick. We talk an awful lot about, about Bay Area radio and how we started out here the first time we met uh, down in the studios of KNBR 1050 at the time. So uh, an awful lot of memory lane to go over for you diehard Bay Area sports talk radio fans with me and JT the Brick premiering at 6 o'clock on my YouTube channel, Damon Bruce Plus. But if you're just listening to the podcast, I say thank you so very much for doing so and please do remember that sports don't build character they reveal it and like that he's gone